Well, it's a pleasure to welcome an, a Michigan State University institution to the MSU Today microphones. That's Michael Hudson. For almost 30 years, he's been the director of Michigan State University's Resource Center for Persons with Disability. Mike, great to have you on MSU Today. Thanks, Russ. Great to be with you. RCPD is turning 50. Wow. Just reflect a bit on that. Happens in the blink of an eye, it seems. <laughs> We've been uh, working busily over the past five uh, decades to uh, help people maximize ability and opportunity. And that's the work of a great higher education institution like MSU. You see, uh, education is an unparalleled possibility if you happen to have a disability. And Mike, so tell us more, what exactly is RCPD? What's the mission? Yeah, we, we began back in 1971-72 academic year with a simple goal of helping people with disabilities realize the power of education to change their lives and to promote careers and lives of distinction. And so our resource center is intent on really maximizing ability and opportunity, helping students as they arrive at the university realize their challenges is simply that, a challenge and not a blockade to uh, where they want to go with education. And how did it all get started back in 1971? One of the things I'm really proud of about this program is it started with a grassroots effort. It was people with disabilities saying, we think education is important to us and we would like to be fully engaged in it. So the founder of the program, Judy Gentile, uh, actually Judy uh, Taylor Gentile, began as a student herself as an undergraduate. She was a polio survivor and she used a wheelchair to uh, gain mobility around campus. But MSU in the 1960s was, a, uh, was an architecture built on an earlier time. The, the entrance to many uh, buildings was marred with steps and stairways and pathways you couldn't necessarily use as a chair user. So her family got really invested in her and helped her sometimes by lifting her up a couple stairs to get her into a classroom. Well, she envisioned for herself and other people that that was really a lot more than needed to be happening and really could be something that the institution would fix over time. And so she went to work breaking down architectural barriers so that people with physical disabilities could access this campus and all it holds for them. And Mike, what are some of your roles and duties as director? Well, as director, I uh, head a program that is consistent of about 20 professionals working to receive students as they arrive here at campus to figure out what they need to be successful in the way of accommodations, adjustments, and uh, pathways around campus. And then we go to work helping students solve those problems. So identify the, the uh, challenge, identify a path forward, and, and work to deliver things that will help them be effective. And some of the things we work with uh, include technologies, so helping students become more independent with information access if they happen to have a visual challenge or a, a hard of hearing or deafness issue. Uh, if you have a mobility challenge, our work may look a lot to you like transportation work or finding housing that works well for you. And maybe um, it can be different things for different people. Learning disabilities, oftentimes those students will benefit from some of the same technology tools that blind students use to access uh, content and reading. And you've started to even talk about it, Mike, but talk about some of the range of, of disabilities you assist with. About, about how many people are we talking about that you help? Our office works with approximately 3,000 students today. If you do the math on that, that's about 6% of the university population is identifying with our program. And disabilities today have really broadened. Uh, when I got started in the work, we worked with about 1% of the student population. 
about 420 when I started here in, in 1992. And that 1% was really consistent of the classic disabilities, the mobility challenges, the chronic health, the visual, the hearing. And as time went on, the population broadened. We started to understand the dynamic of learning disabilities, how some people learn differently or need different tools to really make the most of a reading situation or a writing situation. And then we worked and learned about autism spectrum disorders, how people sometimes have different social interaction capabilities and how we could support those students. And also the area of invisible disabilities now includes mental health challenges. So working with people who experience anxiety, depression, and other dynamics that make it challenging in some contexts of higher education. So a very broad audience now that is really calling on our program for assistance. And Mike, tell me about how you became involved in the program and what motivates your work in this field. Well, when I was a child, I was diagnosed with a hereditary, a recessive uh, visual condition that was slowly destroying the retina in the back of the eye. And if you know much about the anatomy of an eye, the retina is effectively the film in the camera. And my film was deteriorating, so I was increasingly uh, having trouble seeing. I could never see in the dark. And as I looked ahead, I would have blind spots that were developing. Didn't notice them right away, but they were there. They might cause me to bump into something I didn't think was there. And um, ultimately, they affected the way I could read. Large print for me became an essential. And then when the vision started to get worse, large print didn't work anymore. So I had to use technology like uh, audiobooks and uh, eventually computer technology. So my own experience with a disability kind of informed me about the way situations kind of can be hoisted upon us in a way that we don't expect it, we don't welcome it generally, but it's all about how we can learn to adapt to it that really turns out a success story in the end. So in my world, I knew that I needed to keep adapting as my vision changed and my disability evolved and that education was going to be imperative for me. So. My experience and my investment in this program is really centered on helping other people embrace the challenges they've been given, a disability, and to figure out how education can help them build a life uh, success story and how we can help education be more available and accessible to people who are really hungry to learn. They're ambitious students who need a little something to make this place all it can be. And Mike, over the 50 years it's been existing and the 30 years you've been at RCPD, how would you say the mission has evolved over the years? Yeah. Well, our mission has evolved and really how disabilities have evolved. So early on, we saw the physical needs, the curb cuts that we needed to put in in the 1960s and 70s became, um, became the uh, suppressor of barriers for some. Um, elevators, uh, powered door entrances, all became our initial work. And then as time moved along, we moved into transportation. How do we help people get around a fairly large campus? Technology became a player for us uh, relative to deaf or hard of hearing issues. How could assistive listening devices or computer technology make captioning more available to people? For blind individuals, how could technology allow you to read and write independently using the latest technology? So we've always been engaged in looking at those tools for empowering people to do more for themselves and to gain a sense of independence and self-control. And what are some common things that people with disabilities have to deal with on a daily basis? 
Well, depending on the disability you face, the challenges when you come to a big campus like this might be well understanding the layout of campus if you have a visual challenge. Where is something? Where is my class this afternoon? And so we've gone to work to develop uh, technologies using smartphones to help uh, students navigate campus more effectively. We built some tools. Uh, we have an app called the MSU Guide app built right here on campus. Allows you to pull out your smartphone, point it in a direction, and know what's over there. Very important for blind and visually impaired students, but we learned also that it could help a whole lot of other students with and without disabilities. So if you happen to be new on campus, we realized uh, for freshmen coming in, for um, parents who come to visit campus with their students, they too were a little disoriented at times. So our app actually turned out to be something we promoted to the masses and it, uh, an invention helping people with disabilities became an invention that helped everybody. And that's the kind of success story I'm always or eager to uh, develop with people where we can do something that's uniquely tailored to meet a need, but it helps a lot more people. That's kind of the story of curb cuts. You know, we look back to the history of curb cuts. Everybody now with a skateboard or a bike or a stroller thinks they were developed to help them, but they started in a whole different way. But the, the value in it is when we can do this sort of work and it benefits everyone. Mike, are there some facts about persons with dis disabilities you'd like to reinforce or maybe some myths you'd like to dispel well, I think if I think about what it means to acquire or to have a disability, one of the first things that comes to mind is most people just receive one without asking. It's something that comes. It's not like we have generations to figure out what this means. There's not a lot of historical backing in a family. So it just lands on you. And it's um, so how do we embrace the situation at hand? It's probably nothing anybody's going to look forward to having, but when it happens, can you build a network and a partnership that helps normalize it, helps people realize there is a path forward, even in dire situations, and can we be part of that, that planning and that comprehension for individuals? So that's one of the things that people oftentimes don't think about the disability. It's, it's just, it's a surprise. And how we deal with surprises is one of the things that education's really good at helping navigate, taking a challenge and making it at that and not a blockade. And Mike, what, what's the correct terminology we should all use appropriately so the pronouns are becoming important for all of us? And you had mentioned before about progressing from, from the word handicap to, to persons with disabilities, but talk about the, the correct terminology. Well, Russ, the power of the words we use to define ourselves is very important. When the program started in the 70s, the founders, Judy Taylor Gentile, identified that as one of the core ingredients. How do we see ourselves would be shaped by the term we use to define ourselves. At that time, we talked about handicapped an awful lot. A lot of the legislation and other things were anchored to that word. They chose to put the person with a disability in the driver's seat on that. And borrowing from the idea of horse races and, and other things where you can assign the level of challenge to somebody, they chose the word handicapper. So that was our first roots of this program. And if you do the research on our history, you will see a title like Office of Programs for Handicapper Students. As we moved along and um, people began to understand disabilities more and legislation actually came, we had the Americans with Disabilities Act that passed in the 1990 era. And uh, that brought the term disability to the forefront. And our university wanted to maintain the people-first-centered part of that. We wanted to leave people with a disability in control of some of their uh, dynamics. 
So we weren't eager to call people disabled. We were eager to call them people with disabilities. So we try to keep the people first, and we acknowledge the disability is an important part of identity, but it isn't the thing that we need to allow to shut us down. And so terminology has evolved. Today, we generally refer to it as people or persons with disabilities, just to keep them front and center and to maintain that notion that having a disability doesn't mean you have to quit or shut down. And Mike, as RCPD begins its next 50 years, what are some challenges and opportunities ahead? Well, as we look at our next 50 years, I think we're, we're looking at understanding the ways disabilities may continue to evolve. As technology happens, we find ourselves in new dynamics. Uh, many of the physical barriers break down for people. Uh, when you can Zoom or Microsoft Teams your way to a location, you no longer have to think about some of the transportation dynamics or the uh, mobility uh, identity. So for people with mobility challenges, I think redefining how accessibility works in the future will be on our mind. I think acknowledging that today our work is fully with three quarters of our students having invisible disabilities. So if you came into the program today, you'd probably look around and say, I don't know who has a disability here and who doesn't. It's not like it's always gonna be visible. So continuing to recognize that disabilities affect people in different ways and may not always be immediately visible. And how do we work to understand those dynamics and to understand the needs those students have and to really make sure those hidden identities don't become the reason people can't succeed. Micah, thank you so much for this conversation on MSU's Resource Center for Persons with Disabilities. Some, some final thoughts you'd like to leave with those joining in on our conversation about the mission or the anniversary. Well, as we reflect on our 50 years of progress at the Michigan State University, we realize that uh, our institution has worked for a long time to be inclusive and to welcome people with all sorts of backgrounds. And I'm so happy to say that disabilities have been a part of our fabric and it works so well with the university's mission. And I hope that uh, our next 50 years will be as rich as the past 50 years in helping people see the potential that comes from pursuing higher education. Well, Mike, thanks so much for sharing your insights with me today. Congratulations on 50 years and, and all the best moving forward. Thank you, Russ. Keep up the great work, and I'm so glad you're able to help us share our story of possibility, ability, and opportunity. That's Michael Hudson, Director of Michigan State University's Resource Center for Persons with Disability. Everything we've talked about and more online at rcpd.msu.edu. And I'm Russ White. This is MSU Today.